0: Welcome to FoxCast Physical Therapy, a podcast for clinicians, made by clinicians. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Find out more at foxrehab.org. On the show today, Megan Joy, Megan, an assistant professor at Concordia. Megan, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me, I'm really excited to chat about
0: this. Usually we talk to uh, PTs, OTs, SLPs, people in the healthcare okay. world, but you you have a PhD in Policy studies? First of all, you got to tell me what that means, because that's outside of my world.
1: <laughs> uh, well, basically what, what interests me is kind of tangible government action, I guess, on specific issues. And, I mean, me in particular, I'm really interested in kind of municipal governments and local governments and all the things that, that they do. Do. So, yeah, getting a PhD in policy studies is really about kind of, I guess, kind of getting into the black box of what governments kind of actually do and how they engage with people or don't engage with people, but also how they engage with kind of like the nonprofit sector, advocacy organizations, and things like that.
0: Yeah, I guess I never thought about that is governments engage with people, but Within the people yeah. that they govern, there are all of these subsets. Um, you can break it into age. You can break it into, you know, physical needs. You can break it into a lot of different things. And I guess that's why people like you really pay attention to what's going on, because that's the only way we can yeah. get governments to change what's going on.
1: Exactly. Exactly. When you, I mean, just thinking about senior citizens, you know, that's such a diverse group as well, right? So kind of one policy that's based on this very homogeneous assumption or this oversimplistic assumption is never going to, you know, really work in practice.
0: Your research explores the policy and politics of population aging in urban areas, mm-hmm. urban <laughs> politics, policy theory, changing those relations between the state and nonprofit organizations. So that's near and dear to our hearts in terms of working with older adults as therapists. So where do we stand? What are the big issues that come up when looking at population aging in urban areas.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so, so multifaceted. It's really about kind of that, I guess, kind of that politics of everyday life, you know, everything from housing, housing design, housing affordability, having care delivered in the house and different types of care, PT type work, but also, you know, things like friendly visiting and stuff like, stuff like that. We're looking at all the infrastructure in cities. So sidewalks, garbage collection, you know, are we leaving... Giant bins in the middle of the street, so it's not accessible. Things like, you know, when we have construction projects, are we, you know, are we ensuring that we're not, you know, ripping out an area where where buses are dropping off senior citizens, perhaps? So transportation is a huge issue. So there are a lot of kind of multifaceted issues that are all working together in urban spaces that we need to think about.
0: We came across each other when I when I saw you talking in an, an article on the Guardian. It was titled "Tackling Ageism: Cities Need to Do More for Seniors." And you told a story about a neighbor and how it it showed you a different perspective about what she was dealing with each day. Talk about that story because that's about a person and that makes it real.
1: Yeah. And that was, that was really at a a time when I was trying to figure out what to kind of what to do my, my PhD on. And, um, I was living in kind of an older neighborhood in, in Toronto and it was, um, kind of a, a Portuguese neighborhood and our neighbors had lived there. They'd immigrated there. They'd been there for probably about, you know, over 50 years and wanted to, wanted to age in place. And, he was quite ill and his wife was taking care of him and really providing you know all of the types of supports in in the home and this was really a lot for her Um, you know it was an old home hadn't been renovated lots of stairs so we ended up just kind of talking to her informally over, you know, over the, the back, the backyard fence kind of thing. And, you know, just allowing her kind of an, an opportunity to chat and to talk to us about what was going on. And, you know, we ended up doing things like supporting helping to get groceries, helping to um, to get her medicine from the pharmacy. So those everyday things that begin to add up, you know, her husband also fell out of the bed a couple of times. So my partner went over, you know, in the middle of the night. So there was a lot of that informal care that was happening. Um, and then one winter we didn't see her for a while and we found out from her son that she had actually fallen down the stairs yeah. and passed away. Yeah. And so this was so many ways opened my eyes to the really, just that, those personal struggles, but also I began to really notice the way that senior citizens were using space in the neighborhood. And I, you know, I began to realize all these little things around sidewalk widths and are there benches and places and things like that.
0: In preparing to uh, to talk to you today, I was actually, I, I had to take a, a Pelican case. You know, it was like big, hard cases that like musicians put their equipment in and stuff. I had to roll yeah. it from my apartment in New York City, three blocks. That's it. I had to bring it to a FedEx store, and I had to ship it uh, back to our, our okay. home office. So I'm walking down the street, and I'm, I'm 39 years old. I'm in decent shape. And uh, it's it's what you don't see that's there in plain sight. As I go to cross yeah. Amsterdam Avenue in New York City, I'm getting to the other side. I'm conscious of traffic and and, and people on bicycles coming and going. And I realized there's no curb cut. There's no curb cut to get up like an eight or nine inch curb. And I'm like, well, I can lift this. I can lift this box myself. But if I were in a wheelchair, if I were using a walker, if I were using a cane, eight or nine inches, that's going to change where I'm walking. Never mind if it's snowing. Is there water drainage issues? I'm walking through a puddle now. This little thing was, it's been there. I've been here for two years. I never noticed it until today.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. It's really, and this is the thing for cities is it's really having, you know, it's really opening our eyes to all of those things that are hidden in plain sight. So how
0: do things, how do things get changed? You're you're our policy person, right? So you're, you're working with the information that therapists know and, and are near and dear to us, the things that we see. And then you've got government, which is this big thing that it's a machine. We want to make it work for us. What, what has to happen or what is happening or what could happen?
1: Well, I think what's interesting is, is kind of things are happening from all, different directions, and which is, becomes interesting as somebody that studies policy. So the, the World Health Organization has come up with this kind of concept of the age-friendly city guide, and it's sort of a checklist of all of these types of different things that we need to think about as it relates to, to aging in place and aging in cities. That's gotten taken up by governments at, at all levels to sort of become an age friendly city. That's exciting because it's something that's happening, you know, all over the world, really. But then we also see it happening coming from from below, senior citizens themselves calling their local politicians, calling their councillors about those curb cuts that aren't there, mm-hmm. you know, about the lack of a bus stop and you know an accessible spot, that kind of thing. And then there's also NGOs and advocacy organizations that are also certainly pushing against governments as well. So it's coming from all different sorts of places.
0: In that uh, World Health Organization movement, in terms of creating an age-friendly city, what are some of the things on that on that guide, the checklist uh, that we haven't mentioned? We've mentioned the curb cuts and the widths and placement of benches. Are are there some things that we haven't brought up that you would, if you were designing a city from scratch right now, that aren't there or aren't there enough in current most major cities that it should be?
1: Certainly, I mean, things that we haven't talked about so far is sort of the the community the community-based element as well and this is one thing that's in that's kind of in the who approach but it very much depends on the kind of national context and the urban context in question but you know things about like community health centers um, are really important that are actually located in neighborhoods and mm-hmm. this becomes really interesting because you know somewhere like new york city i'm you know i'm in downtown montreal now i lived in downtown Toronto. that's very different than suburban environments where there isn't a lot of those kind of community-based facilities that are easily accessible and easy to get to. So in many ways, it's really thinking about how to kind of recreate urban environments where we we can get to things quickly and easily. And there are forms of kind of community spaces that really take into account and think about the citizens that are living in those environments.
0: In the article, you talk about some older adults are, they're seen as the throwaway population. Talk about what that term means. Uh, it just I mean, it just it just turns your stomach when you read it but talk about what that means.
1: It really does. You know, I think in a society that, that, that places so much emphasis on kind of like being active and contributing and working and constantly kind of doing, 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 there becomes this kind of rhetoric around, well, when you reach a certain age and you can't contribute and you can't yeah. produce anymore, you become somebody that's not adding, you become somebody that's subtracting and now we have to you know provide all these supports for you but you're not contributing anymore which is so problematic in so many different ways but I think that's you know so it's either there's kind of this invisibilization of the needs or there's this almost kind of framing of the senior as a burden to everybody else which is
0: really upsetting. That resonates if you think about it you know in terms of uh, I mean just movies that come out I mean there was The Intern with Robert De Niro where his mm-hmm. his entire mm-hmm. character was based on him not fitting into the world that of course the the great part about that movie and I, I suggest you watch it is in the end yeah. his, his wisdom as an experience was his biggest attribute It was able to help everybody else who was younger maybe better equipped to deal with today's speed of society and it, it showed value but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. That's a great Hollywood example. We want to see examples like that happening every every single day.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, and it, and it, it sort of. Um it's sort of offering all kinds of different opportunities to to participate because everybody's you know everybody's different and has different experiences and that's also not to say like you know talking about that movie you know there's a lot of senior citizens that are continuing to work and in some cases that's that's a choice and that's fantastic in some cases it's really it isn't a choice it's because they don't have that money really to survive and then there's a lot of discrimination in the you know in the working world as well around that but but really about thinking about you know we talk about volunteerism and aging a lot which I think it's you know it's great to have all those different types of opportunities that are there, but really need to kind of ask people, well, what, what do you want to do? you
0: know? Yeah. I mean, uh, that exact question was just asked by our CEO, Tim Fox, who who launched this practice just this last weekend. What do you want to do? If, yeah. uh, if our environment is not helping us or, or maybe even in some ways mm-hmm. actively preventing us from doing those things, we need to change it. Yeah, Working in this, in the space that you do, Megan, uh, how, how can we, how can the people listening right now, whether they're in urban areas or suburban areas or maybe rural, rural areas, if we see something, a missing curb cut, mm-hmm. non-access from older adults, uh, to to transportation, what's the most effective way to make change?
1: Well, I mean, I think certainly you know one thing to do is always kind of talk to your local your local city councilor, older person um, about those those types of of, of kind of of local issues that are happening in neighborhoods that sometimes don't get taken up when we don't when we don't really push and fight against them. Also, talking to other people in the neighborhood about it too, and encouraging them to write to counselors too, and beginning to kind of organize around that is also is also helpful to kind of get um, you know a group of a group of folks that are fighting kind of from the ground up. You know, like I said, a lot of cities. Today, you go around this age-friendly cities label, you know, when different cities are in different places around kind of developing formal, tangible kind of policy strategies and actions around this. So that's another thing to do is see, is my city engaging with this? Okay, let's put, let's tell the counselors about this. Let's push for this. Let's go to those city council meetings and bring this up when there's going to, when there's something is being discussed that relates to senior citizens and to begin to kind of, kind of more holistic approaches to looking at this.
0: And when we say we advocate, when when therapists, PTs, OTs, SLPs say advocate mm-hmm. for your patient, a lot of times that's with other healthcare providers or advocating that mm-hmm. they get care. This is a different kind of advocacy, but can make can make a yeah. huge difference in an older adult's life.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of life, <laughs> yeah. right? It's all part of, you know, just talking about volunteerism. It's interesting because, you know, some of the folks I interviewed said it's great to have volunteerism, but you've got to get there and you've got to afford to get there sure. and you've got to be able to get out of your house in the winter. I mean, I'm in Montreal. Like I said, it's not easy to just, to just maneuver around. It's kind of the missing links and the missing pieces and the invisible things that we, that we really need to think about how they kind of fit together.
0: Megan, last uh, part of the show we do here is called Your Fox Tale. What about older adults and, you know, specifically helping population aging in place in urban areas? What what about that really still touches you to to make it a focus of your work?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it really is those, it really is those human stories that I kind of constantly, constantly think about, because at the end of the day, this has to be about the humans in different spaces of cities. So we can talk about these kind of age-friendly city approaches and these big kind of a little bit top-down approaches, but they have to be. They have to be tailored and linked to, uh, to the folks that are actually there and all of their different diversities, right, all of their different needs. And so I think, you know, another part of the, the WH approach is also emphasizing kind of political participation, civic participation, offering those opportunities. You know, some cities have like a formal senior citizens kind of group that actually informs policy um, you know, some cities might have more local planning councils where there's a kind of senior citizens group that's informing. So it's constantly ensuring that those voices are there and also going out and reaching out to folks um, that don't always come to these types of meetings and events. And that's another big piece. There are often a lot of voices that aren't heard.
0: Yeah, we say advocate for your profession in terms of PTs, OTs, and SLPs. But if, uh, if a clinician, specifically with, that, with our listeners who work with older adults and from our practice, <laughs> we go out to older adults' homes to deliver care. You might have some really, really great insight. You might have the best vantage point on how to improve the environment in a city for older adults, because you're the ones thinking about that constantly. Megan, uh, I appreciate you taking some time out. You can find out more information about Megan uh, at the University of Concordia, where she's an assistant professor in political science. Uh, Thanks so much for for doing what you do and, and studying ways that can improve the lives of older adults.
1: Thanks so much for having me. This has been a great
0: conversation. Thanks for listening to Foxcast PT. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Fox clinicians work hard, love their work, and get the respect they deserve. Sound good? Then you'll love the autonomy to work in your own style and the support you get to achieve excellence. Plus... Freedom and flexibility to have a personal life. Whether it's your first day or you've been around for a while, your contribution is acknowledged and rewarded. That's what makes Fox a success. Happy, well-trained clinicians make great health care. Are you a fit for Fox? Find out now at foxrehab.org.